0: You guys see me over there about ready to jump out of my seat because that was the exact scripture I had this morning in Mark 1. I'm preaching out of that. Everything you just said is where I'm going. God is amazing. So go ahead and turn back to Mark 1, and we're going to reread this again. Hallelujah. God must be saying something for our 2022. Father, I pray that as your word goes forth today, that you till up our hearts, Father, till up the soil of our hearts, that, that we would make room and plant seed that is deep, that it, that it grows, Father, with great fruit, great root, strong roots, Father, that everything that we need to do to prepare, for 2022. And for the, the rest of our lives, before your return, Lord, give us listening ears that we will have ears to hear this morning, that we will perceive what it is that you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. John the Baptist was a forerunner, just as Brother Don said, was a forerunner to, to Jesus Christ coming on the scene. And he preached that you're to prepare your hearts. He baptized with a, a baptism of repentance. And it's interesting because you would think, well, Jesus was coming to, to you know, preach, turn away from sins. But, but people's hearts had to be prepared to receive what Jesus Christ was getting ready to do. Because a person's heart has to be ready to receive. In fact, if you remember the parable of the banquet, it says that there was a man that was giving a, a wedding feast, a wedding banquet. And he goes and, and he says, I'm, I'm preparing, I'm, I'm sending, I've sent out invitations. And he sent out the invitations to the people. I'm preparing this feast. Now, when he got it ready, and then he sent his servant out and said, okay, go, invite the people, tell them to come in. It's ready. It's ready. And he goes out, and he says, "The feast is ready. The master's ready for you to come. Well, I, I, I bought a land, and I need to go check on my land. I just bought it yesterday. It's a new piece of land. I need to go see it." And he goes to the next person, "Well, I bought oxen, and I need to go try them out. You know I just I got these these oxen. I need to go hook them to the plow today, try them out. Go test, test my car that I just got. I'm going to." Drive and take it for a drive today. Got my motorcycle, going to take it for a spin. Got my boat, going to take it for a drive on the, on the lake. Whatever it may be. But I'm busy today. And then there's another man. Well, I just got married yesterday. I can't come. Surely you understand. And these are all life situations. These are all things that happen in life. Normal, everyday things. And he says, he he goes back, and the master got angry. And he says, go out, invite the lame, invite the blind, invite the ones that that are hurting, that, that need healed, invite them. Go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in, for I want my house to be filled. And so he goes out, and he invites them in. And the thing that amazes me is that the invitations had already been sent out. It's not like this was a surprise party, He had sent invitations out, just like we would receive invitations to a wedding ahead of time. Mark the date, right? Be ready for the date. Now, we know that we don't know the day, the time, or the hour of Christ's return, but we do know that he's coming. And there are certain things in the word of God that we adhere to because we know that our covenant is with him. And we know what he expects from us. But you still see so many that make excuses. Well, I've got this, I've got that, and I can't, I can't commit today. I can't do, I can't, I can't come to the banquet today. I can't come and devote this time to Christ today. I can't make room today. I've got this thing going on. I've got this job going on. I've got this, this little birthday party today going on. I've got whatever life stuff things that we all deal with and see. And I think about that, and I think, it's no wonder God got angry. <laughs> it's no wonder the master got angry. Because I can't imagine standing before the maker of the universe, the one that created me, the one that gave me life, and said, God, I had, I had a birthday party, and that was more important than you. And they received the invitation ahead of time to prepare their hearts for this day that's coming. And I believe that where you can see the, the signs of the times, you can see the things beginning to evolve at a very uh, speedy rate for a one world agenda. And, and you see all of these things lining up. And yet the world's really not alarmed. And many Christians are not alarmed. And many people are praying for revival. Many people are saying, God, send, send your Holy Spirit at greater measure. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to see those things. But there has to be preparation. And it's not that God is holding back his gifts, but there has to be preparation in our hearts to see the more. Because if you think about it, revival is not always comfortable and it's not always just easy. Because it requires time. It requires energy and it requires laying things aside. And even this week, as as I was just thinking about this word and studying and looking at things and i'm like lord there's things in my life like i've i've got to make more room because when that time comes if i don't make more room then the adjustments that are going to need to be made are going to be a lot greater than if i start now and prepare ahead of time for your holy spirit to begin to move because revivals that last for weeks and weeks and weeks i mean it's every night and they go late because the holy spirit's moving and it's so good and it 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 causes us to repent and it causes us to evaluate it causes us to begin to move the way we're supposed to move but it does require our time and it requires our energy and you hear sometimes churches going, well you know we had three great meetings but our people were really tired, so we kind of shut it down. You know, it was really moving. Things were great, but our people were tired, so we wanted to give them a break. If, if that's the heart of, of the church, then how in the world do we handle a full-fledged revival? And I believe that just as John the Baptist was, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus Christ to, to come to earth and to begin his ministry of, of, of seeing uh, the very power of God and the nature of God operating here on earth, I believe that's what God's telling us to do right now. And I believe that he's calling us to prepare a way, to prepare a way for the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit hasn't already come. He has. He has. But at greater measure, if we want to see the greater, if we want to see the more, then we've got to prepare. And I thought, well, Lord, what all does that mean for the body of Christ? And for every person, it's going to be different. Because some might need to prepare in the way of time. Some might need to prepare in the way of distraction. Some might need to prepare in the way of commitment it's going to look different for people and only you can answer what that means for you and what that's going to require of you but there's a there's a scripture in psalms 50 let me read it to you real quick psalms 50 Verse 5. And it says, gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Gather my saints together with me, those who have made a covenant with me by how? Sacrifice. Not convenience. Not at my convenient time and my... Uh, you know, leisurely time, but by sacrifice. And he says, it's going to cost a sacrifice. And this generation has lost the understanding of covenant, which I feel like we will get into at the, the turn of the year at some point because it's been pressing on my heart to preach on covenant. But he says, those that have covenanted with me by sacrifice, it will cost something. So that's the preparing. Father, how do you want me to prepare? What is it? I mean, think about it. If you're going to go into battle, do you just want to be like, okay, today we're going into battle. Go get whatever you have and let's get ready and Go. Or do you want some advance notice? And if you have some advance notice, then what are you going to do to prepare? Well, you might, you might find out, you know, what weapons you need to bring. You might start working out. You might start running because, well, it might require some, some uh, longer-winded um, endurance. I might need to begin to, to work out a little bit so I have more strength whenever I, I use that, that sword or that punch or whatever it may be, that kick. Somewhere I lost all my my weapons, didn't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm now fighting by hand. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? You it you prepare for the battle. Because if it comes and and you're blindsided by it, then you're not ready. And it's like there's a lot of adjustments at the at the last minute. It's like building a house. If you build a house, you have to lay the foundation first. There's a lot that goes into building a house. And yes, it, you want to get to that point to where you're seeing all of the great things and, and the things that make a house a home. But you can't get there until you lay the foundation and the things that are hidden, the things that that you don't even see. The subflooring that you end up covering with flooring. You don't see that, but to lay floor without a subfloor, it won't last. And these are the things that don't get the fame. These are the things that, that people don't talk about. Well, they spend a lot of time in prayer and fasting, and then they saw this breakthrough. What do you hear? You hear the breakthrough. Man, they got this. This happened in their life. They got that miracle. But nobody talks about the behind the scenes. Nobody talks about the foundation that was laid. But you got to remember there was a foundation that was laid. John the Baptist was a forerunner to Jesus Christ presenting his message. Prepare your heart, make a way, make your path straight, get rid of every sin. Just like Hebrews, it says to lay aside every sin that would hinder you and run with endurance. But that means we've got to cast off those sins. We've got to cast off those things that would hold us back. Every weight that would cause us to, to be slow, to be apathetic, to be uh, just complacent. Uh eh great if it happens but if it doesn't it doesn't we have to stir up a spiritual hunger and of course that's what we're getting ready to do with fasting so even with this message I believe that's that's what we're to focus on fasting a time of separating ourselves and we have to be careful that we're we're not fasting in a in a place of just fasting but getting so busy with distractions and the things going on that we miss the preparation because it, it the preparation has got to be there in the fasting you know and I thought back I thought you know when God created the world did he create? man first? No. He creates everything else first. He creates the space, the vessel that's got to hold man. He creates the, the very substance that man has to eat. He creates the waters and, and everything that has to, to be able to sustain man and animal. So he prepared a place for man to live before he created man. And what is he doing now? Jesus said, I go to prepare. He's still preparing a place for us. He's preparing a place for us after this life that we're living now. God is about preparation. Because if we don't prepare for things, it crumbles and it falls. It will not, will not sustain it. We'll not be able to hold it. Noah would have been completely pointless if he just got the instructions of build the ark and he kind of got started on it and then was like, you know what? This is taking a really long time. This is a lot of work. I think I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it easy for a while. You know, we've been doing this already for 25 years. I'm gonna slow down a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kick my feet up for a time. I'm gonna take a sabbatical for a year and just kind of relax. And if the flood would have come and that ark was not built, he would have been in the same predicament as the rest of the world. A bride prepares for her wedding. But sadly, and here's the thing, we're, we're living in a time where people are preparing, but they're preparing in the material and the physical sense. Everything about preparation now is based on material things and about luxury and what makes me comfortable and what makes me happy with no sense of the spiritual. You know, a bride can spend tens of thousands of dollars on her wedding. And in one moment, it's over. And she, she spent all year planning for that moment. Preparing for that moment. And it's over in one day. She had a beautiful ceremony. But did that prepare her for the marriage? Did she spend any time preparing herself? Did the husband spend any time? Did the groom spend any time preparing himself for what a marriage, what what it takes, what it requires to make this marriage work? They go into it have spent a lot of time preparing for the day, but not preparing for the commitment. And I believe that that's what, that's what the Lord is asking us. It's not about looking the part. It's about preparing. Preparing. Preparing for your relationship, preparing for the commitment, preparing for the long haul, preparing for what it takes in order to make sure that on that day you're not found lacking. What's that heat on now? I feel like everybody's like, "Mm." (laughs) it got hot in here. Turn to number six. I found this uh, very interesting, Numbers 6, and you know, I I also was thinking, you know, When Jesus was born, you know, we just we just got through Christmas season and and you hear this the the Christmas story. Jesus came into this earth and, and Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem, they have to report, you know, the the census. Bethlehem didn't know Jesus was coming. And so when they all go and there's a lot of people that showing up all of a sudden for the census, what's the response that Mary and Joseph find? There's no room at the inn. Let's try this one. There's no room at the inn. There's no room at the inn. The world wasn't prepared to receive Jesus. And so he had the very humble beginning of, of staying in a stable in a barn. And it's the exact replication throughout his ministry. That it wasn't the it wasn't the religious that received him. They rejected him. It was those that were hurting. Those that that went after him because they desired something fresh, something new, some, somebody that lifted the burden instead of putting a burden on us. They desired the joy. They desired the healing. They, desi- they didn't desire the same thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were constantly putting on them, telling them that you're not doing this right and you don't look like us. And, and, you know, we're fasting and we look like this and we have lots of tassels on our robes and we look really good and you look really poor. But they desired Freedom. So it was the world that received him, not the religious. But even then, it was a sign. It was the very same thing. We're not prepared to receive. We didn't know you were coming. And when that, when that time comes, when the Holy Spirit flows at greater measure before the return of Christ... There will be some that will have said, Oh, yeah, we, I, we wanted that. We wanted that, but we didn't prepare for it. And I want to be a church that prepares, that we're ready, that we have, we have moved things out and made space for the Holy Spirit to flow, and whatever is required of us, we're ready. We've been preparing for this day. We've been waiting for this day. Hallelujah. Numbers numbers six. That's not where I wanted to go. Sorry, Judges. I had that written down. That's not where I want to go. Judges. Flip over a couple books. Judges five. Let me tell you a, a quick the quick uh, precursor to what's going on here. You heard of Deborah the judge. and she was one of the judges of Israel, and she, she gets the word from the Lord that they're to go take this, this enemy kingdom because they have been oppressing Israel for quite some time. And so she tells the commander, Barak, of Israel, to it's time. We're going to take these people on. We're going to take this this kingdom on, this king, Jabin. We're going to take him on. We're going to crush our enemy, and we're not no longer going to be oppressed. But Barak, he says, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not going to go unless you go with me. And so he's relying on the word that she had received from the Lord, even though it was the word of God and she's trying to give it to him but he he wasn't prepared he wasn't prepared he, he'd gotten whether it was lazy in his faith whatever it was he's like I'm not going unless you're going because I don't feel comfortable carrying this word by myself she said fine I'll go but because you're you're depending upon me a woman you're not going to receive the fame for what happens when this when the enemy is crushed you're not going to you're not going to receive the credit for it and so they go to they go to battle and even when they get there you know they're 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 camped out and and Deborah still has to go to Barak and say get up it is time to go has the Lord not given you this enemy has the Lord not given them unto you this day and so she's like having to prod him let's go let's go and so they go to battle and and they they crush the enemy everybody dies but the the commander of the army he gets away and he slips off and he's running for his life and he finds this tent and there's a lady there named jael and and he's like i'm exhausted hide me and if, any, if anybody comes, if anyone from Israel comes, then tell them that, that no one's in your tent and I'm not here. She said, come in. She covered him up. She gave him some milk. He falls asleep. He's exhausted. And after he falls asleep, she takes one of those, you know, the big giant, not the little dinky tent pegs that, that we use with tents today, the big giant tent pegs, and, and she takes it and, and drives it right through his temple and kills him. So the glory goes to a woman, Jael so the song, there are songs written about her and so after the battle is won that's where we're picking up at, at judges 5 and there's this one this one verse here verse uh, 1 and 2 then deborah and barak the son of abinam sang on that day saying when leaders lead in israel when the people willingly offer themselves bless the lord Now, this is interesting because if you look at both of those words, when the leaders lead, this was actually a phrase that was used. When the leaders lead, this word leaders actually means the long-haired. When the long-haired lead and they let their hair go loose, or they let it hang when they let the locks flow. And when the people offer themselves sacrificially, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at what happens. Now, let me explain this because it seems as though what happens here, if you look back at, at uh, where I took you in numbers, it talks about the requirements for a Nazarite vow. Samson was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. They lived a, a lifestyle of that. That's why it says that he ate locusts and wild honey. Uh, and he had, you know, long hair. He looked like a, a, a probably more of a hippish kind of guy. But he, he lives in the wilderness his, his whole life until it's time for him to begin to come out and preach. But he, he lives a life of consecration. That's what Nazirite means. Nazir, to consecrate or separate. Now in, in Numbers 6, it talks about if you want to take a Nazirite vow, then you have to do three things. You have to stay away from anything from the vine, the grape vine, so no grapes, not even the skin, not even the seed, not, not any juice wine made from it. You're to keep completely away from the vine. Uh, you were not allowed to touch a dead body. It didn't matter if, if your parents died, if someone in your family died. You're not to be around it. You're not to touch any any dead, any dead thing. And you're to let your hair grow long. You're not to cut your hair. And so these three things, and each one of them symbolized something. But these three things was what was required to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart. Nazir, to consecrate, to separate. And, of course, fasting and prayer, that is a separation, a consecration unto God. And so what what God was saying is, yes, there were some people that lived a Nazirite lifestyle, like their whole life, but then there were some that would take a vow, uh, you know, for a specific time period, whether it was, Twenty days, thirty days, sixty days, whatever it may be, and they would take that that Nazarite vow. In fact, Paul did that. In uh, you can see in Acts eighteen eighteen where it says that he cut his hair in Sinchera because he had taken a vow. So there were there were people that would do this for a time period, uh, a time period of consecration or vowing themselves, of separating for a purpose. Now. What's interesting about this is it seems that these men, when the leaders lead, when those that have consecrated themselves come before the army, praise the Lord, bless the Lord. Why? Because these men, it is obvious they have consecrated themselves. They let their hair grow there is a, a significance in showing that I don't look like everybody else. I have consecrated myself. I have spent time preparing for this battle. And they go out, and they're in front. They're leading. And it reminded me, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, and it's like, you know, William Wallace, and he goes out in front of all of the, all of the guys, and and they're kind of like... Uh-oh, we're in trouble, and, and so he's like, "No man, you're a fight for your country today," and and he says like, they cannot take our freedom or something like that. They can take our lives, but they cannot take our freedom. And they're like, "Yeah," and it's like his hair's wild, and their faces are blue, and they're like, "Yeah," they look like a rough a rough crew. But, it, but it, that's what it reminds me of. And it's like they all get excited. But it's like the difference between when we've consecrated ourselves to God, when we've spent time with God and we're getting godly instructions, and then whenever we take our stance and we take our lead, and that is what God is calling us to do. Because people are like, yes, they've been with God. I'm going with that. There is a distinct difference. They don't blend in with the world. They don't look like the world. Their hair is flowing, and they don't blend in. Now, I'm not telling y'all that you have to grow your hair and and become hippies. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But it's a consecration. It's it's a, a cutting away. It's a circumcision of the heart. Because circumcision was covenant. That's why God told Abraham to circumcise himself and circumcise your household and your son because you're cutting away of the flesh, the fleshly things. You're putting aside the flesh in order to say that you're following me, that you're choosing to covenant with me. And so in the New Testament, Paul says, you, you don't have to circumcise your flesh, it's a circumcision of the heart. What is that? Preparation of the heart. It's preparation of the heart. Making room for the more. Making room for what is required. Making room and sacrificing for the covenant. And it says, just like when we read in Psalms 50, verse 5, Gather unto me, my saints, those that have covenanted, Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Did he say gather unto me everybody? Why is it in Acts when the Holy Spirit falls that he didn't just fall on the whole nation? Who did he fall on? The ones that were tarrying in the upper rim. The ones that had set themselves apart. And then there were those that stood outside and said, what is going on up there? What kind of crazy party is that? Are they drunk? No, it's only nine in the morning. This is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And we just tasted of it. We just got baptized in it. And those that thought, well, surely we're going to be a part of that, are standing on the outside and didn't even recognize it. But those that had prepared themselves, those that said, I'm going to be there, those that said, I'm not missing that, I'm I'm going to go Terry. I'm going to set myself apart. And I'm looking at people here today that have chosen the day after Christmas to be in the house of God, to set themselves apart. You know, it amazes me. Jesus Christ is the whole reason <laughs> for Christmas. And say, "Ah, I got a new bike to ride today. <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. I got this toy, and I, and I want to try this thing out. <laughs> Lord, surely you understand my new toy today. These are the things that really. I, I'm just like God. How embarrassing! I would be so embarrassed. But that that's the thing. We we have to prepare, prepare our hearts, and, and really put things into perspective because we are living in in a time, in a nation that is very. Um, everything is about me. Everything is about. Uh, entertaining me. I mean, you know, I, I have to sometimes, like, get on to, you know, certain individuals in, in my household. We sit down and watch a family movie, and, and then they're like... I'm like, get off your phone. We're watching a movie. We don't need three things to entertain our minds at once. Like, focus on one. And it, it's like this this... Mode of d- just distraction, and I gotta have this going on and this going on and this, go- and it's like people don't even know how to settle themselves and just be. People don't know how to settle themselves and just enjoy who's around them. Well, God, I was gonna, I was gonna be with you today, but I got a text, and you know, this person, you know, they they needed me. Make room. Make room. What does it mean for you this year? Make room. Prepare your heart. That means you got you to gotta kick some things out. We had to deal with uh, a home after uh, Brad's mom passed away. We had to deal with a home where she had collected a lot of things over the years. A lot. And the home was full of stuff. And it took a long time to go through everything and get rid of everything. And that's the thing, if we don't watch it, we can end up in a place where we got a lot of clutter and it doesn't really truly have a purpose. We got a lot of distractions and it's even hard to see the walls because they're so filled with stuff. And it's like, God, where are you? (laughs) Are you in here? But we have to move the clutter out. We have to make room for the king of kings. We have to get our perspective right. He's our king, our Lord and Savior, our creator, the maker of the universe, the one that gives you life, the one that gives you vision. He gives you hopes. He gives you dreams. Without him, We're nothing, and we're lost, and we're trying to find hopes and dreams, but but we're not not taking the time to ask the very one that puts those things inside of us. God, I don't have time. I'm trying to find my vision. Go to the vision maker. He'll give you the vision, and he'll give you the instructions, and it's not just a one-time thing. Well, in January, I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to set myself. No, it's got to be continual. Because as we spend time with him, then he gives you the details. I believe that's why God doesn't, like, map it all out at once and say, okay, here's the huge blueprint, and here's all the steps that you need. We we've never go back to the, the throne room, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we would be busy about, about trying to make something happen and never never go back to get steps and never come back to get any more orders, never come back to spend time with, with our creator, with the very one that loves us, that's our father. And we wouldn't operate in faith because I've got it all right here. Prepare. Prepare to make room. What does it mean to you? In um I was reading a book about fasting and prayer and, and I came across this little this little piece there was a man that, that wrote a book called Atomic power with God through fasting and prayer. His name is Franklin Hall, and he wrote this book. And he, during this time, this book in San Diego, parts of California, began people begin to read this book, and it began to shift their mindset and what they begin to do spiritually, and they begin to see something begin to happen. But again. It took, it took the fasting and prayer, and it's not like things just happen overnight. If you go to the gym and say, you know what, this year I'm, I'm going to, you know, work out, I'm going to get in better shape, does it happen at the first time you go? No. It, 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 does it take commitment? Do you have to, like, be there all year? Does it take a regular uh, coming to the gym and working out? Yes. That's the only way we get results, Right. It's the same thing with God. There's got to be a commitment to it. And so they begin to fast and pray. pray and this is 1946. This book ends up uh, in Canada, and it began to go throughout the Midwest and up in Canada. Canada people begin to, to realize the importance of fasting and prayer, and things begin to turn. It ends up in Jamaica, and the, the island begins to fast and pray. Obviously not everybody, but those that are, that are desiring and they begin to fast and pray. That was in 1946. The next year, in 1947, healings and miracles begin to break out. 9,000 people get saved on that island. Oral Roberts, that's when uh, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, and Gordon Lindsay, they end up down there, and and these things begin to, to break out all over the island. Kenneth Hagen ends up part of the the uh, uh, faith movement with these three guys in 1947. Now, again, like I said, you see the the big in 1947 this happened, but you don't you don't see the 1946 fasting and prayer and people digging in. But but there's there is the correlation that one equals the other. But the plowing's got to take place. The preparing has got to take place. I want to finish up with a, uh, a scripture in, in Psalms, Psalms 35. And I just want to, there's just a, a piece of it here that David is, is talking about when he was dealing with his enemy coming against him, Thirty-five, thirteen. he says, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. I humbled myself with fasting. And if you look up that word myself, it actually is soul. Because it's our soul that is prideful. It is our soul that needs refocused. And when you look that up and and you see what it means, I humbled my soul, I humbled my appetite, my passions. My emotions, my desires. That's a total refocus, is it not? My passions, my desires, my appetite, my emotions. I humbled my soul with fasting. Because it's, it's, it's our soul that gets distracted. It's our soul that, that runs after things. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, the things that we want, the things that that our, our emotions are attached to, the desires of our heart, how we think. These things are formulated and molded by the world that we live in and everything that we listen to, everything that we're around, what we watch, what we see, who we're around in the culture that we live in is molded. Our soul is molded by all of these things. And so if there's a constant evaluating in a constant molding and a refocusing that has to go on. And I believe that, that it's one of the reasons why God gave us seasons is because there has to be, there are times of, of readjustments. If you think of life as one, one just long uh, e- extension of time with no year, no months, not even, if, if everything was just one long day, can you imagine? <laughs> one long day where there's no end and there's no beginning. No, no new mercies every morning, <laughs> which is one long day. We would be like, when is, when is this day going to end? Because there are days when you need a fresh start. It needs to close out and a new one needs to begin. <laughs> and then there are years where it's just like you stop and you say, okay, it, it's time to refocus. This, this year is going to be different than last year. This year is going to be better. Whatever it, it is, but the the turning of, of the, the mundane routine of the will. And so we, we do that. And at the beginning of the year, we dedicate it to the Lord. We consecrate it to the Lord. And we begin our year with prayer and fasting. But it is a... Pushing down of our own personal desires and making sure that we're in line with the Holy Spirit, that we're in tune with God, that we're not allowing certain appetites for things to get out of whack and out of hand. Certain desires, certain, you know, emotions, certain um, things that we have been focusing maybe way too much on. And we realize I've got to get this regulated because it's a constant thing. Have you ever seen someone that got a revelation of something in the word and then they like went clear over here with it and and then it's like it, they get religious about it? And yeah, it was a great revelation, but they got so extreme about it that it, it got religious and they start pounding everybody with it because of the revelation that they got. And then it's like they lose uh, this over here. <laughs> Because they they figured out that God wasn't just all love, that he also is requiring things of us. So now they start requiring things from everybody and they lose their love. And that's what I mean. It's like there has to be a reevaluating at all times throughout our life. We have to look at ourselves and say, where am I at right now? What adjustments do I need to make? What do I need to move out in order to make more room for God? Where do I need to make some, some adjustments and make the, uh, make the room bigger? Maybe you need to add on. Maybe some of you need to add on. There needs to be more room. Minister Lee, how do you care to come to the keyboard? You know, fasting is not—it's not trying to get God to, to love you more. Many times, people think fasting is, "Well, I'm trying to move God in this area." He can't love you more than what He already loves you, and He's not going to love you less if you don't fast so that's not the, the point of it earning his love is not the point of fasting and it's not about trying to prove something to God or trying to talk him into to getting something out of him because there is a tendency to think that way a lot of times in the, in the realm of fasting I'm going to do this, and I'm going to talk God into this. Not that we would ever say that, but in our minds, I think a lot of times we, we think that's what's going on. I'm trying to prove myself to, enough to get God to do this. And we get the wrong idea, and in, in our, so our mark is off. When in actuality, it should be more like the, the long-haired men that let their locks flow. I'm preparing myself for what's ahead. And whatever that may be, whether I stay away from the vine, which is the pleasures, the worldly pleasures, are pleasures bad? No. It's not that God's saying, I want you to stay away from fun and and I don't want you to enjoy life. That's not what he's saying. But there, there's a time of consecration where you don't let the entertainment and the distractions and the, all the, the hype of, of everything that the world has to offer. You, you bring yourself into a place where I'm consecrating myself to God for him to change me so I can be more in tune with him, so he can mold me, transform me, so I can, I can extend those antennas up and truly hear and grow my spirit and shove the things of the world aside. It's about growing ourselves, putting ourselves in position, positioning ourselves. Not looking like the world. So fasting does not change God, but it changes us. And it puts us in a place where we're more in tune with him. And it's, a, it's an exchange. And, of course, you got to have prayer in with that. But it's an exchange where I'm exchanging the carnal for the spiritual. God, I'm hungering for you. I'm hungering more and more for the things of you for the things of your spirit. Whatever you want to do in me, why don't we go ahead and stand? Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? Father, our desire, our desire today is not for the things that the world has to offer. Just like the Nazarites would stay, stay away from the things of the vine because those things were sweet to taste. But Father, we're desiring of the Holy Spirit of the things from the heavenly vine. Lord, your word says not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, we desire, we desire you, we desire to, to even take this time at the beginning of the year to consecrate ourselves, to be transformed by your power. For, Lord, it's not always about doing something around us. It's about doing something in us so that we can do something around us. For us to be able to impact this community. Father, change us first. Transform us. Mold us into your likeness. Lord, as we're even preparing for this new year, I pray that you would speak to hearts. Show every person, Father, what needs to be moved. What needs to be replaced? What needs to be moved out in order for you to fill that space? What is required of each of us, Lord? What are you requiring from us? I pray that your Holy Spirit would just begin to pinpoint things right now in every person's life. Whether it's commitment to certain things, time, cutting things out, cutting certain relationships out, cutting certain distractions out. You know the Lord tells us to circumcise our heart. Abraham had to do the circumcising. God didn't come down and circumcise. He had to he had to get that done himself. He had to circumcise his family. It's our choice. We have to do our own circumcising.